Hi, I'm George Strayton, screenwriter of Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hi, everyone. It's that time again for another episode of Genretainment over here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. And Genretainment is where we give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. And for today's show, we get our geek on as we speak to director and producer Ben Dobbins, the co-founder of the very popular Zombie Orpheus Entertainment, a.k.a. Zoe for short, which has produced fan-favorite movies like Gamers Films and web series packed with sword and sorcery and laughs like Journey Quest. The company has also formed a collective of similar-minded productions like our web series Reality on Demand and other excellent shows like Aiden 5, Standard Action, Transsolar Galactica, and many more. But the company has taken a very bold new direction with their Phase 2 plans. What is Phase 2, you're wondering? Well, you'll learn all about it in a minute, plus Dobbins talks about upcoming projects and hints at what we can expect from Zoe in the future. And he encourages everyone to get on NSA lists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, who isn't anymore? (laughs) Trust us, it'll all make sense soon. But before we get started with the interview, we do want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song from our web series, Reality on Demand. It's a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. You can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now let's get started with our interview with our guest, Ben Dobbins. This is Marks and... And Julie, and you're listening to Genretainment. Today we're speaking with producer and director of popular shows like Journey Quest and Demon Hunters and founder of Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. So welcome back to the show, Ben. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're glad to have you back on. And uh, well, one of the main reasons why we asked you back was because uh, Zombie Orpheus Entertainment, also known as Zoe for Zoe. short, has a new fundraising direction that, that you guys have recently launched called Phase 2. Can you uh, tell our listeners what Phase 2 is? I can. And you know, just to give a little bit of background, Phase 2 came out of looking at the problems with you know, how broken both Hollywood and independent media are. It's, you know, it's an insane career to be in in terms of sustainability. I recently heard that you know, Hollywood offer, operates at about a 10% profit margin and that that's been cut in half since the DVD market fell apart. You know, and... You know, it's no surprise that you have folks like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, you know, talking about how we're going to see studios starting to fail in the next couple of years. And we're seeing that with you know, distributors searching around, trying to find options and independent producers. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of put their their best efforts and hopes into sponsorships and uh, and advertising which really requires the kind of views uh, in order to pay off that are in the tens of millions. And that really requires making shows for a very specific audience. Uh, As as the the guy, I think, from Maker Studios said, you're you're basically marketing to 15-year-old boys at that point. (laughs) So phase two, we've been planning for, uh, since we started putting Zoe together, uh, we started building the business plan in 2008, launched the company in 2010, with uh, Journey Quest, and Phase Two is basically our attempt to solve how to make ongoing sustainable independent media. And what we've done is uh, it started off by really trying to build a, a culture around the notion of shows that are 
fan supported and creator distributed where you don't have middlemen in the way who are taking a cut of the money that's going to the show and then really putting it on the fans and saying you guys are empowered to keep the show alive there's not a network or studio who can come in and say, well, the show's about cats. I hate cats. It's canceled. You know, <laughs> they can't they can't come in and and pull a fox and firefly it. That empowerment for the fans to keep the show alive has been extraordinarily successful for us from, you know, paying off season one of Journey Quest um, that we kind of risked a lot, all of our own money and assets on to uh, funding Journey Quest season two with a $113,000 Kickstarter to funding uh, the Gamer's Hands of Fate with a $405,000 Kickstarter, which held the record for most money for film and video on Kickstarter for about 36 hours until Charlie Kaufman beat us and got all the press. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Yeah. Yeah. Our but, records were you know, made to be broken. <laughs> So, uh, so phase two is is really our efforts to look beyond Kickstarter at how can you sustain the infrastructure and be able to work full time to create the content as opposed to the nights and weekends and the crappy jobs that we kind of all have to do in order to maintain our hobbies, whether it's you know doing wedding videos or commercials or corporate gigs or whatever or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Basically, what we've done is said, all right, uh, we want a $10 monthly subscription to Phase 2. And the more subscribers we get, the more ongoing monthly stretch goals we can unlock that benefit every single subscriber. So it's like the stretch goals with Kickstarter, except it's ongoing. So the more people who come on board, essentially, the more we can produce on an ongoing basis. You know, at... A, a thousand subscribers. We're able to send out, develop, and send out a new piece of merch to every subscriber every four months. They don't have to pay anything extra. It just shows up at their door. And at ten thousand subscribers, we're creating ongoing, almost daily content. At that point, we have a fully funded tent pole, like a season of Journey Quest or a Gamers Film or a new show like Strollers or Hop Jockey. At least once a year, we have enough people working full time to sustain it. And uh, and we're able to essentially be completely independent and fan-funded. Okay, so walk us through it. Is Phase 2 then like a channel you subscribe to? Is it something that you pay one time like on Indiegogo or, or one of those? Uh, or is it a monthly thing? Is it a channel? I mean... Mm-hmm. Well, what someone would do is visit zombieorpheus.com and uh, they would essentially sign up for a recurring uh, $10 a month subscription. And we have a widget on the site that tracks the number of subscribers we have and the next stretch goal that it unlocks. And, you know, there are other subscriptions out there, but I haven't been able to find anyone who's married subscriptions to basically that stretch goal model where the value and quality of what you're getting just increases exponentially as, as more people come on board, not just because of the money that's coming in, but because of the community that's being built and that's interacting and that's actively involved in creating the shows. So yeah, you basically go to the website, click a couple buttons, sign up, become part of the community, you immediately get access to some new content, although we are absolutely, everything we've done has been released under a Creative Commons license because we strongly, and without DRM, we strongly believe that 
especially if the fans are funding it, they should have the power and the ability to take the show and to remix it, to play with it, to share it, to put it on BitTorrent, to do whatever they want. Because we're essentially no longer in the business of selling units. That business is dead. We're in the business of creating a sustaining fan base. And Phase 2 is what allows us to do that. Now, what if someone wanted to pay more than $10 a month? Do they have that option if they're really diehard fans and want to support more? Uh, We have a couple... A couple of options. Uh, Until we reach that magic 10,000 subscriber number, we're still going to need to run individual campaigns to fund new seasons. Now, the amount we need to raise will decrease as more subscribers come in because we're constantly putting money into that tentpole fund. If there's enough demand, uh, we may also do something like, you know, add a, a $20 level that comes with red card privileges. VIP membership <laughs> subscription. So now if someone wants to subscribe or someone wants to support the new Journey Quest season, mm-hmm. would they then need to contribute both to the monthly subscription and the campaign or can they do one or the other? I mean, wh- which would you prefer? I would prefer for everyone to contribute to Phase 2. And the reason is you know, a, mo- a movie production, You know, it- it's like a a cat that's smeared out over over time. All you see is the blur when you look at it over like an 18-month period. You have everything from development to pre-production to production to post-production to delivery to getting it out there under traditional model then to trying to, to pay it off before you can do the next one. And when you get a Kickstarter campaign going, if you were trying to fit that entire massive production timeline and basically tell people, we'll contribute now and we'll give you a show in two years, you'd get a lot of blank faces because it's a long time to wait. Uh, what, what phase two allows us to do is to take a lot of that work. Like, if, for example, what we've had to do to date is to see how much money we could raise for the show, build a budget around it, adjust the script to fit that budget. This allows us to be much more proactive about building the budget, having the time and the script, having the time to get the two of those really working well together before we even say, here's the amount we need to raise for the show. It means that we have better data going into the actual production process. And it also means that we have a lot more lead time to go out to find the locations and to then spend the money for the show more efficiently than we might have done otherwise. So, and, and that our first few stretch goals are actually tied directly to whatever our current tentpole production is, in this case, Journey Quest Season 3. So at 250, um, we're getting weekly uh, updates for the Journey Quest role-playing game campaign setting from Matt Vansell, which also double as the show Bible. And so we're starting to get pr- production art that becomes part of the role-playing game, but that also is the development for Season 3. At 500 subscribers we're able to pull Matt away from his warehouse job stacking boxes for long enough to be able to give him the time to sit down and to write the script and for us to get it budgeted. And the situation is that we've, as, as everyone who's made films knows, it's a huge, huge sacrifice. And often that sacrifice has to be balanced with the question of, well, how do I pay my bills? And this is our attempt to say, well, if we can get you in full time, Look at how much more you can produce than if it's, it, you know, Matt Vansel saying, well, it's a Friday night, I'm exhausted, I've been hauling boxes all week, uh, I have a bunch of other stuff to do, but I'm going to you know, carve out some time and, and get Journey Quest done versus, hey, I have, 
you know, 40 hours plus a week to just sit and write. Yeah, it makes a big difference. People don't realize how much little free time independent filmmakers have yeah. to be able to spend on their on their creations because they have to they have to pay bills. <laughs> yeah, people somehow expect that if you make uh, you know film projects, you somehow magically are are released from the regular day to day concerns of every other human being on the planet. <laughs> exactly, and and unfortunately. You know, it it doesn't work like that. And you know, one one of the things we've really experienced with the Kickstarters is, you know, it takes us a long time right now to fulfill the rewards because you know, once you've spent your production budget, you know, it go it gets down to maybe one or two people sitting in the office, maybe paid, probably not. Once that production budget is gone, just getting the rewards packaged and taken care of. It's not like there's a huge team that can sit there on an on-stop basis. It seems like the Kickstarter formats fine for you know, one-shot projects or occasional projects, but it's really hard to sustain like a production team long-term that way. That That's exactly it because, and you know, and our hope with the Kickstarters was that, okay, we'll, and our plan was we will put all of this into the production budget aside from what we've set, set aside to fulfill the rewards and make the merch and so forth. And then you know, the sales off of the back end would allow us to keep the lights on at the office. But remember how I said earlier that the retail market is dying. Mm -hmm. We can't get the same kind of huge retail release that we could have previously because our core fan base has already bought it. And what that creates is a situation where you know we do the retail launch and we, we don't sell enough units to rise above the noise level for more people to discover it. Mm -hmm. you know, we're not, you know, if we'd, you know, funded the film privately, then ideally there'd be enough demand. Again, we're moving more and more away from from a kind of cultural model where people want to buy media and are used to buying media. Mm -hmm. I think there's just such a huge advantage to switching to a model where what I say when anyone gives us money is this is the second most important thing that happened. The most important thing is this person now has an emotional investment in the success of the show. Mm -hmm. How many shows are under this Phase 2 umbrella? Uh, right now, the Phase 2 is basically specifically focused on and has been built to sustain Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. However, we have another 14 or 15 shows who are basically part of this, I guess, this collective of shows who promote each other and cross-promote and so forth. And, um, you know, shows like Reality on Demand, Standard Action, Transolar Galactica, Gamer Chick, Aiden 5, uh, Gold the Series, uh, we just uh, brought Divergence on board, uh, Chop Socky Boom. Uh, just a whole list of really quality shows that by cross-promoting to our fan base, we're able to help kind of everyone rise above that noise level. Now, um, for, the, for those shows that aren't, you know, your creation, that, yes. you know, what's Phase 2 going to do for the shows that are in uh, Zombie Orpheus but aren't, you know, you all? That aren't dead gentlemen, yeah. really, yeah. right? Is that the right we, way to well, we have, we have a couple of options. Uh, the first thing is... Right now, like I've talked with a lot of these producers, and everyone kind of has a wait and see with Phase 2. Will it work? Won't it work? But we've built the technology to support Phase 2 basically on a platform that allows us to clone it and deploy it to another show with about a day of work. Oh. So if this works or when this works, let's say Standard Action wants to adopt it, 
we can we can basically send the all because the, they're already using our our web tech. They're off of our web servers. Um, we can essentially turn on all of all of the rest of this tech for them, and then they can essentially launch their own version of it as well. So that's that's part one. Is we we've built this from the beginning so that we can make all of our kind of technical and and business type solutions available to other filmmakers um, you know, within the collective and outside of it. And secondly, like I said earlier, like 10,000 fans or subscribers gets us one tent pull a year. And just to s- sidetrack a little bit or sidebar a little bit, last year we did two tent pulls. Uh, we did Journey Quest Season 2 and The Gamer's Hands of Fate. Mm-hmm. And it was insane. It was one feature-length show too many for the year. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's part of it's part of why we launched Phase 2 six months later than I had wanted, because we've just been playing catch-up ever since then. Because they're, you know, with each of these shows, part of why we've been able to do what we've done within the budget is because I personally do a huge amount of post-production. Mm-hmm. But if I'm getting slammed with five different post jobs on two shows at once because they start to overlap everything bottlenecks on on me as one person so yeah i can so, definitely see that yeah that would happen so um, so if we're saying all right here's our one temple a year now let's say we're at twenty thousand subscribers well let's talk let's talk to the fan base and say all right the subscriber base what other show do we want to fund? Let's vote. Let's discuss. Maybe we can make standard action fully funded and just say, go off and do it or whatever whatever show they decide they want to do. So, so what you're saying is basically this is like an entertainment co-op. It's an entertainment co-op that um, if phase two expands radically beyond 10,000 fans, it then you know every 10,000 or so subscribers, we're basically at the point where we can say, Here's another show per year that we can essentially fully fund and greenlight. And I would love to get to that point. I think it would be immensely powerful. But also just being able to, if producer, because a lot of producers want to retain, and it's the same reason we did this, they want to retain control, they want to manage their own fan base. That's also why we have the ability to just say, here's the technology, we've cloned out, cloned it, take it, here's the implementation, make it yours, make it awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the projects also that uh, you guys have been up to. Because there was a recent fundraiser done for some miniseries type projects like Mm -hmm. The Gamers, Natural One, and Humans and Households. Could you explain a little bit about what those projects are? I can. Uh, Those were uh, basically a proposal out of a company we worked with when making Gamers Hands of Fate. And they basically said, look, we have we have some extra time with our team uh, up in, near Ontario or near Toronto in Ontario. Do you want to come up and uh, make a show with us? Let's let's do a couple of gamers miniseries. And we we looked at the numbers and realized that pretty much we could pull it off. We just needed you know a little bit extra money to cover flights and travel and a couple of expenses. So we ran a very small Kickstarter campaign. Uh, was enough to bring our team out there, and uh, we are currently in post-production on both of those miniseries. Uh, they're both set kind of within the gamer's world. One is a uh, kind of cyberpunk story, which is a direction we haven't gone, be- gone before, where the character of Gary heads off to Canada when he hears that his sister's engaged. 
he's off to make sure that that her fiance is a real gamer and can hold himself together in a game. The Humans and Households takes place in a fantasy world with a number of fantasy heroes sitting around a table on their day off playing a game in the mundane world of Humans and Households where they're trying to solve challenges um, like how to cross a street properly or visiting a friend at their house. Uh, it's a script by Matt Vansel, and it it's not only a, just a hilarious take on, you know, as anything for Matt is, on gaming culture and how people game, but also a really phenomenal social satire because you have these fantasy characters trying to make sense of kind of the social and political norms that we take for granted. <laughs> they sound good. Mm-hmm. What's uh, the idea of the release date? We will be screen- we'll be screening both of them at Gen Con in August. Uh, if everything goes phenomenally well, we'll actually have them finished and on DVD by then. If it takes us longer to get Final Cut locked and we're in that process just this week, um, then those they may be more uh, test screenings or something like that. So it's just going to depend, frankly, on how the next couple days go as we work on getting those cuts locked. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're also premiering uh, The Gamer's Hands of Fate, our new feature film at Gen Con. Which part of it was filmed at Gen Con, right? There's a piece of it last year. Part of it was filmed at Gen Con, which is why we did two tin poles last year. It took about 18 months of planning to pull off and get together all the resources and the pieces and the contracts that we needed to make the shoot at Gen Con happen. So about crowdfunding, even though now you've gone in a different direction, I'm sure there's people who have followed the successes that Zombie Orpheus has had in crowdfunding who may not be ready yet to try something like phase two or not be able able to, uh, but they're going to try Kickstarter Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. You know, in your experiences with Kickstarter, what's some advice you might give, some advice that you learned while doing it? Uh, the first and biggest piece of advice is learn Excel. <laughs> you got to do all the math calculations. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a spreadsheet that I've developed over four cam, actually more than four campaigns now. I'm now at the point where I'm sharing this spreadsheet with many other campaigns and taking them through it. That essentially allows you to set your actual budget target and then all of your rewards and your percentages and essentially to build a campaign that is structured as well and as safely as possible to make sure that you, you that you can cover all your expenses, that you don't run out of money on the back end, that your reward levels are balanced, that they make sense. So, yeah, that's the big thing is just plan every dime, including taxes and shipping and everything else. And the other recommendation I'd say is budget for handling, budget to have somebody help with the shipping because you don't want to get stuck packing 4,000 custom signed packages on your own. Hmm. And I'm curious too, I don't know if, how much you can tell tell this or not. How much of the funding that you received were already existing fans, and how much of it was new people that that came about either through pushing it out socially or the Kickstarter community itself that found you? I don't know the actual percentages, but you know, Kickstarter provides a certain amount of metrics, and uh, I think on the Hands of Fate campaign. or so of our funding came from people who just discovered the project on Kickstarter. Okay. And that was a $405,000 take or budget that absolutely allowed us to expand the fan base. And I very much look at Kickstarter campaigns as as much a marketing opportunity as anything else because they're the chance to, as people are getting really excited about something, expose 
the awesome stuff we're doing to new audiences. Mm-hmm. I know it's really, really early still, because <laughs> at the time of this recording, it's probably only been a few days since you launched Phase 2. By the time this plays, it'll only been maybe a week later. A little or over something. a week, yeah. yeah. But can you give us an idea of what, what you're seeing so far? Of course, it could always shift dramatically, but you know, how, what kind of, kind of feedback have you gotten so far? How many, how many subscribers have started to pick up? This is going to sound very small, but I'm actually really happy with the number. Um, uh, we've picked up 200 subscribers so far. Mm-hmm. Where our first stretch goal, the Journey Quest role-playing game, is at 250, and I think we're going to reach that really quickly. Uh, what we're seeing with the campaign, and we knew that there'd be a lot of this, is a lot of people saying, well, you know, I prefer one-off campaigns, or... Uh, I'd rather just contribute to a show or I don't get, or especially I don't get what makes this unique, what makes this difference. You know, Glenn Beck offers subscriptions. How are you different from Glenn Beck? Um, well, number one, we don't cry as much. <laughs> That's the problem. You need to start crying. <laughs> but um, you know, to, to answer your question, it's right now we're really in an education process. It's it's something that is so new that a lot of people aren't seeing what makes it new. And, and also to, to show people why we think it's necessary as opposed to like you continuing with one-off campaigns. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, still 200 is not a bad number because it's only been a few days yeah. as we're talking about it. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Quite a good accomplishment. All right. So we talked a little bit about the stretch goes, your plans, you gave some tips for Kickstarter for other people. You, you said this, software would be available to other zoe partners and and maybe and beyond and beyond and uh well how would that work if someone is listening to this they got a project that's not part of zoe and they're like i want to do that can i get that software how would that work well right now um it's easiest for us to deploy in any of the tech that we've built um basically to anyone to any of our zoe members we've built the whole thing on a platform where um you know, if like if Joanna posts a standard action update on her web page, uh, it pushes forward to the main Zoe page. So things get cross promoted and, uh, you know, accounts go back and forth within the network. So it's it's very easy for us to deploy to anyone who's actively using our technology, which we're keeping to kind of people within the cooperative right now. Yeah. The point we open it up to others, what we're going to do at that point, I think, is is really kind of spin up an industrial scale uh, cloud server situation that can you know can scale up with demand and just and change a couple of those parameters so that the people who are just straight up licensing the tech whether that's a well, I guess it'd be a one uh, monthly basis at that point because we have to pay hosting fees. Uh, but essentially making sure that the people doing that have kind of the full independence and their own kind of network setup that isn't dependent or reliant on you know, cross-promoting with people who you know they may not be into. Like if if someone's using this to launch uh, the knitting network, they don't necessarily want to promote Journey Quest to their fans. <laughs> Unless you're knitting fantasy outfits. There you go. That's true. Well, remember... Um, <laughs> When I was seamstress and she was talking about you can find um, knitted TARDIS tea cozies. That would yeah, be cool. That's true. I'm, uh, no. I was just <laughs> dropping a hint to my lovely husband. If you ever want to get me a cool gift, a, a TARDIS tea cozy, that would be just fun. Well, and see, now he has to, now he, you know, it's a race. He has to get it for you before one of your listeners does. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Ooh, maybe I'll have a secret admirer. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, well, before you leave, 
Can you give us hints about any other projects down the road that you guys are thinking about? Is there another game or sequel you're thinking about? Another season uh-huh. of Journey a Quest? A brand new show? Or something brand new? Sure, I can I can drop several of those. Journey Quest has a very specific story arc for the whole show. It's about a seven-season show. We have a fourth gamers film planned. We're basically looking at it as you know, the, the Darkness trilogy following these characters, and we lay a lot of seeds down in this film for it. And I've said this before in other places, but you know everything that Matt Vansell writes basically takes place in what we call the larger hop jockey universe. And we've been putting clues to a broader story and a meta story into every one of our shows since we started with Demon Hunters in 1998. So I'll just say that as when Gamers 3 comes out, people will start to see and reveal more of those connections. And we'll start to see some of those in the role-playing game and in the novel that he has coming out. And all this is eventually leading to uh, the show Hop Jockey, which will pull these pieces together and you know, it'll probably take us a couple decades um, you know, from when we started at least. But by the time we've told the whole Hop Jockey story, people will be able to look back at you know, 20 years worth of of media and see that we that we had that story planned and we're putting all those pieces together from the very beginning. There are spoilers hidden in plain sight in everything we do that no one has spotted yet. It sounds like a challenge. It's so much fun. <laughs> Is there anything else before you go you'd like to mention? Uh, perhaps some web addresses that, uh, that our where, listeners can Where can use? everybody find you online? <laughs> well, I would love for people to join us at zombieorpheus.com. That's uh, zombie Orpheus, uh, not zombie orifice. <laughs> if- O-R-P-H. Yes. <laughs> That's a different production company. We don't talk uh, about that. Yeah, that would be a, a production company making very, very different media. Yeah. <laughs> and really, there's not as much money from what I've read on the news as there used to be. Mm-mm. Now, I think no, Nightline no. did like a whole thing on, on how, you know. They need fan scriptures. Yeah, so yeah. That's what they need, yeah. <laughs> well, not with the NSA looking at everything. Nobody... <laughs> Nobody wants to be on, a, on the... The NSA perv list. <laughs> well, see, at, at, at that point, the only solution is for everybody to be on the list because then there's not anything unusual about it. That's yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so everyone make it a goal to get on an NSA perv list and we'll just, you know, overwhelm the system. Exactly. <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't hold it over one person's head if everyone is in the same boat. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a new plan. Minions go forth. Zombieorpheus.com. Is there any other addresses before we go? Uh, you can basically find everything from there. We have, uh, we, we just recently launched, uh, we're constantly in beta on our media player, but we have this awesome dynamically resizing HTML5 uh, media player where you can, with two clicks, get to any episode of any show in the cooperative. So I would say go to the front page and Watch Standard Action and Journey Quest and Reality on Demand and mm-hmm. Solar Galactica and all of these incredible curated shows from phenomenal uh, creators. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, and I'm going to take these words to heart and, and go see if I can get onto a couple NSA lists later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you first. We'll follow. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, I'm Joanna from Standard Action, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, special thanks to Ben for chatting with us, and we wish Zoe luck with its Phase 2 plans, and look forward to more gamers and Journey Quest in the near future. So that's it for today's Genretainment. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll be back with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. And don't forget, you can also check out the other great shows on this channel, like SFP Now, The Roundtable, and more. Until Until next time. time.